Welcome back to the Exxon. Our toll-free number is one 877 That's toll-free throughout the U.S., Canada, Alaska, and Hawaii. My email address is exxon at talkstarradio.com on MSN Messenger, talkstarradio at hotmail.com, and our website, www.exxonradio.com and www.exxonetv.com. My guest this hour is Brian Olson, and Brian's passion for travel goes far beyond his seven currently published travel books as a professional writer, artist, photographer, producer, and publisher. Brad wears many hats and enjoys the challenge. When it comes to extensive world travel, few in the business have the off-the-road experience he has acquired. Brad visited 21 countries in 2004 while researching his new book on sacred sites in Europe and has been to over 50 countries in his lifetime. And Brad, welcome to the Exxon. How are you doing, Brad? Hi, Rob. Thanks for having me on. Brad, uh, maybe you can tell our listeners what a sacred site is. Well, it's basically a place that we all know. The way I explain it is, you know, there's Stonehenge, there's Mm -hmm. Angkor Wat in Cambodia, there's the Great Pyramids. Everybody would understand and recognize those as sacred places. Uh, And then the bar extends out to those which are... Uh, sacred to certain people, like Native Americans here in North America. There's uh, about 70% in my North America book are Native American sites. In Europe, it's mostly uh, Catholic-based and Christian-based, but not always. Uh, I always sprinkle in a bunch of New Age sites and uh, modern pilgrimage locations. Now, uh, what makes some of these sites so unusual? I, I can I know about the pyramids because of their size and because the mystery surrounds them. Uh, let me see, uh, Stonehenge, that certainly is one of the most mysterious sacred sites of all. But in your opinion, Brad, which one is the most perplexing one that you've ever come across? That would have to be the Great Pyramids in uh, Giza Plateau, Cairo, Egypt. They just uh, define defy any explanation as to how they were built in such a precision form and what all the internal functions inside those pyramids may have been used for. Are there, are there any theories on how they've been built uh, that have uh, come up recently? Well, there's always the ramp theory and the wraparound theory, uh, but none of those really hold too much weight, although who's to say that they couldn't have been? I mean, everybody mm-hmm. proves it in their own way. Uh, but some of those internal stones within the Great Pyramids are are so huge that barely uh, modern cranes today would be able to move them into place. So uh, I, I, I'm just speculating, but I think there was a certain sound harmonic tec- technology employed to move those big ones around, perhaps the whole uh, structures. Now, are there many sacred sites uh, throughout North America? Oh, yeah, well, 108 in my book, Wow! Uh, but there's many more than that. Uh, some fascinating ones, like the medicine wheels of the Great Plains that mm-hmm. are actually uh, calendars 
that predict uh, solstices that show the rising of prominent stars in the summer skies. And then many of them are on very high uh, level uh, arms or shoulders of mountains that are covered in snow most of the year, so they could only be used during the summer months. Brad, where, so, do you th- where do you think the ancients received their their knowledge from in order for them to create with such perfection some of these uh, some of these sacred sites? <laughs> well, that's a good question, and because uh, Egypt is is such a mystery having achieved their highest level of, of building ability back in their earliest uh, time frame, it really uh, brings up the question is where did they get that technology from? And, and there's uh, countless places around the world that, that have uh, more questions than answers. What is the, what is the consensus uh, shared with, between the, the members of the, uh, the uh, mystic circles? <laughs> uh, well, be, within the mystic circles is that this was uh, a throwback from Atlantis, that uh, some of the priests and engineers and survivors collected along the Nile Basin and wanted to preserve their knowledge for all times. Uh, but no Egyptologist will tell you that story. All right, Brad, stand by. You and I have to take a two-minute commercial break. Brad Olson is our special guest, www.bradolson.com. We're talking about sacred places. Now, if you have a question that you'd like to ask Brad, it's very simple. Pick up the phone and dial 1-877-528-8255. That's toll-free throughout the U.S., Canada, Alaska, and Hawaii at 1-877-528-8255. Brad and I will be back in two minutes on the other side of this commercial break. And still to come on tonight's show, Linda Zimmerman will be talking about, you ready for this? Ghosts. My name's Rob McConnell, and I'll be back in two minutes with Brad Olson as we continue live and around the world right here in the X-Zone on Talkstar. Thinking about the good things to come And I believe it could be Something good has begun Oh, I've been smiling lately Dreaming about the world at one And I believe it could be Someday it's going to come Cause out on the edge of darkness There rides a peace train Oh, peace train Brad Olson's my special guest. His website is www.bradolson.com. Brad, we we were talking briefly uh, before the commercial said about uh, the the possible connection to Atlantis. And in in your opinion, is Atlantis a myth? Is it folklore or is it real history? Well, you asked my opinion. Now, yep, your I'll opinion. You my opinion. I believe that there were uh, high, high-tech, advanced cultures on this planet, ten, twenty, thirty, fifty thousand years ago, and I think there's evidence to prove that they were here, including a lot of underwater ruins, which I find uh, especially fascinating because that's hard to dispute. All right, where where are most of the underwater ruins found? Mostly around uh, the island of Bimini and in the Caribbean but also in the Mediterranean Sea. 
uh, several that have just been found recently off the coast of Malta, mm-hmm. which also has some of the oldest temples in the world. Now, these temples, are they, um, are they dedicated to a certain deity or different deities than we know presently based on our history and uh, mythology? Well, the Maltese temples are utterly fascinating. One, they're, they're built with gigantic stones, enormous stones once again, me- megalithic stones. Uh, but to answer your question, the deities are what appear to be an overabundant or overweight, in our opinion, female goddess. Wow. They've found statuary, uh, giant statuary, as well as very tiny statuary in some of the Maltese temples. Any idea who this goddess is, Brad? <laughs> that I can't speculate, but uh, th- there were there are many theories that, uh, and, w- and we did publish through CCC Publishing a book on goddess sites around the world by Karen Tate, and she has very compelling evidence in that book that female goddess deities ruled the land about 50,000 years ago when when it was more of a matriarchal society. Well, women are better rulers. Uh, Look at the long line of uh, female rulers in the United States. Uh, Not the United States, I'm sorry, the United (laughs) Kingdom. You know, with with Queen... Well, maybe here with Hillary. Oh, God. You never (laughs) know. Hey, hey, does that mean Bill Clinton's going to be the first lady? First husband, First husband, wow, that ought to be good. All right, let's get on to a real fun, good, good, good topic to talk about, sacred places. Uh, tell me, is the White House built on a sacred site? Well, Dan Brown, who did the Da Vinci Code, yeah. his next book is called uh, The Solomon Key, which is all about the Mason uh, forefathers in America and the sacred geometry they employed to lay out Washington, D.C., the whole grid pattern of the streets and how it's laid out. And... Uh, Indeed, uh, George Washington himself was a high-level Mason who placed the uh, first stone for both the Capitol building and uh, the White House, I believe, but definitely the Capitol building, and he was a high-level Mason. And one another book that we publish at CCC Publishing is The Key to Solomon's Key, which is by Lon Milo Duquette, all about the uh, Masonic Knights Templar connection all the way back to King Solomon. That's very interesting. I can hardly wait till his book comes out. Um, when you're traveling and you're looking for these sacred sites, how, how do you find them? A lot of times I'll talk to the local population if I'm looking for some localized ones. Right. Or uh, many of them are published. They're, they're not too hard to find out if you just dig into the fabric of a, a country. So, for example, Spain. I was over there in 2004 working on Sacred Places Europe. 108 destinations, and I knew that the city Evora had a lot of uh, history, a lot of megaliths outside of it. It's one of the oldest continuously inhabited cities in Europe. And sure enough, a lot of locals told me how to find some out-of-the-way uh, megalithic chambers, the dolmens they call them, or uh, menhirs and standing stones that weren't even in the travel guides. So this is the kind of information I collect, and pass on to my readers, because I really feel that uh, if people go to sacred places, they, uh, they they learn something. They get a charge from them. They uh, feel inspired after visiting. I was talking to uh, someone uh, this evening who was, uh, we were discussing Sedona. And is, is Sedona a sacred place, or is it just um, 
a mystical adventure. Well, a mystical adventure, in, in my opinion, would also be a sacred place. And, and to answer your question, yes, it is, uh, for many reasons. One, there are many uh, Native American sites around Sedona, Tuzigut, Montezuma as well, and Castle, as well as uh, just not far away at Flagstaff, you have Wapaki and several other ancient cities. But uh, there's a lot of talk about the vortexes in Sedona. And I've been out there a few times. My opinion is, I kind of felt it. Sometimes I was with two different women, and they felt it a lot more. So it may be, again, a, more of a female sensitivity thing for feeling those uh, vortexes in Sedona. Now, apparently there's also a lot of UFO sightings in the Sedona area. Well, yeah, and uh, you know Roswell and White Sands isn't too far away either. What, what's interesting about UFOs and sacred places is oftentimes uh, there is a, a known sacred place, for example, the White Gypsum Dunes at White Sands. Then the U.S. government co-ops the location and does top-secret uh, military things. The same is true for San Luis Valley in Colorado with the Cheyenne Mountain just over the Sangre de Cristo range, as well as central uh, Nevada with Area 51 and the Nellis Air Force Base, which is larger than some small uh, New England states. Tell me, what do you think they're hiding out there? Well, I think they're backward engineering technology that's been acquired since the time of uh, the Roswell crash, at least. So about 50 years of backward engineering trying to uh, see if we can get our astronauts up in space using these uh, devices that have been recovered. If that was the case, why are they wasting so much money on the present space programs with the technology we have? <laughs> Smokescreen. Ah. I, I guess. Uh, that's not my area of specialty. But I will say that many sacred places, as well as uh, the crop circle phenomenon in England, are associated with known ancient sacred places worldwide. Many of the crop circles that appear every summer happen right outside of Stonehenge right outside of Avebury, right outside of Barbary Castle, and, and many other Neolithic and ancient sites of uh, southern England. What do you believe Stonehenge was? Do you think it was a temple? It was certainly a temple. It was certainly a calendar that could predict uh, winter solstice and the moon rises. And with that knowledge, the shaman or the priest or whoever it was that uh, interpreted the movement of the celestial bodies had incredible power. They had the power to tell people when to migrate, when to harvest, when to get ready for winter, when to maybe go on a boat excursion to look for tin or other minerals. Mm -hmm. uh, so it, a lot of these uh, calendars, same thing with the medicine wheels of Canada and uh, the Great Plains, gave the, the shaman or the seer power to uh, help his people. Do you think if the power would have been shared by the shaman to the people that there would be as many mysteries in the world today as there are? <laughs> and it might put the shaman out of business, too. Yeah. <laughs> so perhaps not. Maybe some secrets are better well guarded. I guess. I guess that, uh, that could be the case. Um, why, you know, how should people feel when they go to a sacred site, Brad? Well, I, I certainly believe everybody should go with an open mind and a certain degree of of reverence 
and however that may be with, with your own religion, whatever that may be, or just as a, as a, a skeptic, but just go there thinking I'm going to be leave myself open to whatever happens. I may be disappointed. I may walk away like my experience in Sedona and honestly say I, I didn't feel anything. Or uh, sometimes I'm in a sacred place and, and, and I and I get like these downloads of information that I just feel like I'm more in tuned or perceptive to uh, to my surroundings and what may have happened. What, sac- what sacred site have you visited that you've been able to feel the experience unequivocally? Unequivocally, my first trip to Pompeii in uh, Italy, 1988, just backpacking around, I was still... Uh, basically an atheist and, and I had a very profound experience at Pompeii so much so that I felt like I was uh, I knew my way around that I'd lived in that city in a past life and it started shaping my perception to a lot more things that are going on out there as well as spiritually within myself what was the experience you had just that, that I knew my way around I knew that if I was going to make a turn I would come up to uh, a large building that would be a temple, that would be the Colosseum. I knew my way to the Forum. It was very uncanny, I, and, and it gave me goosebumps, and mm-hmm. it made me feel tingly on the inside, I guess is the best way to put it, which uh, to me was a very interpersonal experience. I can't really quantify that to anyone. It was just what I felt, and like I said, at the time I was skeptical, I was an atheist, but I was, it just blew me away. One eight seven seven five two eight eight two five five is toll free. My name is Rob McConnell. My very special guest this hour is Brad Olson. We're talking about sacred sites, and if you'd like to give us a call and speak to Brad, ask him about any of your favorite sacred sites. Our toll free number is one eight seven seven five two eight eight two five five. Now that's toll free throughout the U.S., Canada, Alaska, and Hawaii at one eight seven seven five two eight. Eight two five five, and this portion of the X Zone is being brought to you by our good friends at Premier Psychics. Now, the X Zone Radio Show and TV Show, as you know, we we try to solve mysteries, amongst other things, of course. One mystery that we have solved, which took us just a couple of minutes, was which is the best telephone psychic line to call, and that was easy. Premier Psychics, uh, where there's an extra E in Premier, and that stands for excellence. Now, you can visit Premier Psychics online at www.premierepsychics.com, premierpsychics.com, or call them toll-free at 1-866-803-6593. That's 1-866-803-6593. Brad Olson and I will be back after the news at the bottom of the hour as we continue talking about sacred sites right here live and around the world on the Talk Star Radio Network from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Michael Telstar. This is Psychic Dorothy. Hello, my name is Holly Reeve. This is Ken Elliott. Hi, this is Patrick Cross. This is Les Corey. This is John Hogue. Hi, this is Eric Rawls. Hi, this is Blade Runner. Hi, I'm Laura Fabron. I'm Clegg Lewis. My name is Lady Ashley. Hey, you! This is Rick Emerson, and you're listening to The X Zone with Rob McConnell. And happy... 
Back to the Exxon. My name is Rob McConnell. We're coming to you live and around the world on the Talk Star Radio Network. Um, my guest this hour is Brad Olson. We're talking about sacred sites, ley lines, UFOs, Atlantis, and much more. Brad is a an author. He's a researcher and a worldwide traveler. And if you'd like to find out more about Brad, his uh, website is www.bradolson.com. Brad, I was wondering if you could tell the Exxon Nation about the connection between ley lines and how they interact with sacred places. Good question. Uh, It was invented in about the 19th century by a man named Alfred Watkins in the south of England, where the crop circle phenomenon primarily takes place. And he noticed that a lot of the very old Neolithic sites, including Stonehenge, Avebury, Silbury Hill, uh, West Kennet Long Barrow, connected up with other things like sacred wells and older uh, monuments or city centers, right through the center of town, including some old Roman roads. And he just started to postulate that there was a, there was an energy flow between these sites. Then he started mapping them out, and he found that it was a larger grid that actually uh, carried on all over Britain as well as into Ireland and then uh, around the world. Now, what is the sacred well, Dave, uh, Brad? Well, a lot of times they were just wells that people used, but then uh, because water is, is such a prominent part of everything in life and we need to drink it every day that uh, many of the uh, springs or wells started getting prominence became uh, primitive shrines which became pagan temples perhaps Uh, many cases after uh, paganism was overtaken by Christianity the great cathedrals and churches would be supplanted right on top of the old pagan temples Hmm. Rosalind Chapel, where does that fit into the big scheme of things? Well, that's in more of the uh, chapter of the Knights Templar and some of the mysteries about what uh, what exactly was found underneath King Solomon's temple when they were over there during the Crusades. Uh, mind you that the, the Knights Templar started out with it. They were uh, the poor knights of the temple, and they were just uh, humble servants, but... Uh, Something that they found or some knowledge that they acquired, they become fa- fabulously wealthy and became a big threat to the uh, papacy, which about 200 years after the Crusades in uh, the Middle East started their own crusade against uh, the Knights Templar and forced them to go into hiding. One of the places they uh, think the last remnants of the Knights Templar, they went up to Scotland and uh incorporated some of their symbology and sacred geometry and building practices into the Roslyn Chapel. So is Roslyn Chapel considered a sacred site then? Oh, for sure. One of the most primary ones, just because it's got such an incredible story to tell with all the symbolism, the, uh, uh, the Sinclair family that financed the building of it were also uh, sailing families. The, the clan Sinclair uh, made excursions to North America, including uh, Nova Scotia and Canada, and one uh, petroglyph I saw in New England 
in Massachusetts bearing the coat of arms of the Clan Sinclair. Ari, besides uh, besides the fact that that Roslyn Chapel has a deep history and the connections to the St. Clair family and to the Knights Templar, is there any other reason why it would be considered a sacred site? Well, one more great reason is because, again, the uh, Knights Templar disappeared into the fabric of Europe, but they didn't quite go away. And about 200 years later, Freemasonry emerged under a different name, but under the same auspices of this uh, Knights Templar clan. Well, what's really interesting about Rosslyn, and the third reason I want to make a case that this is a sacred place, is they've done some soundings uh, around Rosslyn, and they found some cavities below the chapel, some some large containers, as well as sand, which may be uh, from Arabia, taken back by the Knights Templar, buried into the chapel. So they cannot excavate it without tearing up the floor and compromising the foundation. So that's an interesting little tidbit about that. Uh, sounds like the Da Vinci Code all over again. <laughs> well, Da Vinci Code had a section on uh, Rosslyn. It ended up up there. So uh, Dan Brown, he recognizes sacred places too. I was wondering if you could uh, share with our listeners some of the other sacred sites around the world. Sure. Uh, sacred Places Europe just came out by uh, cccpublishing.com, and I'm really excited about these new pyramids that they found in Bosnia that maybe your readers aren't too well aware of because they're so new. Only about two years ago, uh, an archaeologist who had done a lot of work down in uh, Central America and knows bit about the Egyptian pyramids, noticed that the landscape outside of Sarajevo had these uh, pyramid-shaped uh, mountains there. So he went in, he started excavating, and he started finding fitted stones underneath the soil. They've done some, uh, some other excavations and found smooth areas that appear to be capstones as well as uh, some underground chambers that uh, can be climbed into. Well, there's also pyramids in China, if I'm not mistaken. That's correct, right outside the very sacred city of Cheyenne. I mean, we could we could devote yeah. a whole uh, segment here between breaks just about the pyramids of the world. Wow. And possibly how they tap into the ley lines and the energy grid of the planet as well. I know there's also speculation that Nikola Tesla was very close to discovering the secret of the ancients when it came to free, uh, free uh, energy. Oh, something that's... Uh, I'm very passionate about as well, especially uh, where I am in San Francisco, and we just had the oil spill uh, a week ago. Very uh, sad to see the uh, birds, and I've been down to the beach and the the oil spill and seeing the cleanup, and just thinking, man, if we would have just gone with Tesla 100 years ago, maybe we wouldn't even be burning oil anymore. Exactly, and it's about time we stopped. I figure, you know, if... In fact, you can put a man on the moon. How come you cannot come up with an alternative uh, engine that would take a different source of energy? Because the combustion engine now has been used since the 1800s, and there's been basically no changes. Yeah, it's so ridiculous. But also keep in mind that four out of the five largest corporations on the planet are oil companies. Yeah, They have a vested interest to burn it all. They really do. And they won't stop. They'll destroy the atmosphere. They'll go on with all these oil spills, on and on and on, until uh, 
we just demand that they change or we stop using it. I, I, I can't remember who I was talking to, but we uh, had a guest on the show and we, were, we, we started talking about you know, taking the all the oil out of the earth, and I said, "Well, you know, I'm not a physicist, I'm not a a, a mechanic, but ex- uh, correct me if I'm wrong. If you're if you do if something is being kept in place by a hydraulic fluid, and you take that hydraulic fluid out, in this case, oil, out of the earth, doesn't that cause a cavity? And won't there be shifting of the tectonic plates? There absolutely will be. Yeah. And I, I worry about what the fluid may actually be in the inner core. Another interesting thing that relates to oil fields is the uh, the earth grid, this energy line grid that encompasses the planet, also encompasses some of these largest oil fields in the world. And they say the the one in Siberia I was just reading about, they've tapped it dry and then it filled up again. So the, that calls into question whether or not it really is fossil fuel to begin with. Mm-hmm. Maybe it is an earth lubricant, and what the heck are we doing pulling it out of there and burning it and destroying the atmosphere at the same time? It seems that we're destroying ourselves in the sky as well as from under our feet. <laughs> well, I think you can argue that everything about the planet is polluted now. Definitely. The air, the land, and the sea. Yep. No two ways about it. And Good I, we, job, human race. Hey! We know how to take care of planets, don't we? <laughs> well, that's why I think the sacred places take on such a more importance, because this is the best that the human race has done. This is what inspires us to uh, achieve for greater beauty in our architecture or, or more inspiration as to what's out there, spirituality, interpersonal journeys, unlike uh, these greedy corporations that are just ruining everything. What changed in human human history that we went from these loving people who did everything they could to preserve peace and to make this a better planet to the, the scroungers of the earth that we are today? <sighs> I don't know where things went awry. But you you got to remember, humans have been killing each other for a long time. You know, I, I just saw this thing on Sputnik on PBS and, and how uh, the space race really inspired greatness again in this country and around the world. And, and every time the astronauts came back, they said, we looked at the Earth and it was just such a profound sense of inspiration that we're on this spaceship that's floating in it through the universe. Why can't we just get along? Why can't we just work our, our problems out, and when you're out here, when you're out in the, in the capsule, and almost every astronaut will say this, that just such a, 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 a profound feeling comes over them that, that, that they feel that they have to come back and tell people this experience they had in outer space. Got a question. Some of them citing UFOs as well. I have a question here from one of our listeners. His name is Spaceman, and he says, Is Launch Complex 34 at Cape Canaveral where the crew of Apollo 1 Gus Gusham Roger Chaffee and Ed White, who died in a fire on January 27, 1967. Is this now a sacred place? Uh, I don't associate places where people died or battlefields or Holocaust sites. I I don't look at those as sacred places. It's just my way of of considering that when when somebody dies or something terrible happens, Mm -hmm. like the Challenger, it's a shame. It's 
should be memorialized. We should remember it. But I don't think it's a sacred place. It's just my way of doing it. Some some uh, some authors have included Holocaust sites and haunted houses. I, I just don't feel it, so I don't list those. I don't discuss those. So my answer would be no. All right, Spaceman, thanks very much for sending that to us. Um, what are some of the lesser-known sites? Those are some of the most fascinating because, uh, again, people will say, I've been living in this town for 15 years, right. and I had no idea that just up the road are these giant intaglios. I'm referring to uh, an area called Blythe on the California-Arizona border where these enormous 170-foot-tall geoglyphs are etched into the dry desert, much like down in Peru, the, the Nazca, Nazca Lines. Plains, yeah. We have Nazca Lines right here in North America, and a lot of people don't even know about them. So those are truly fascinating. And uh, I mentioned earlier about the medicine wheels. Those are a, a really unknown quote here in the continent. In, uh, in Europe, many times it's the old Neolithic sites, the dolmens, the menhirs, the uh, uh, stone circles in England, Scotland, and uh, northern France. People sometimes don't even know about them, mm-hmm. and they're 20 miles outside the village. Or other times they're incredibly impassioned and will know quite a bit about them. Uh, so we're just trying to uh, up the ante and, and let everybody have access to the worldwide sacred places. Now, Brad, what is the difference between a god sacred site and a goddess sacred site? Well, the goddess sacred site would have to be associated with some sort of female deity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in the last twenty, thirty thousand years, it's been a pretty much male-dominated society world. So a lot of the goddess sites have just been obliterated. But some of them still have uh, the foundation for uh, Artemis. The Temple of Artemis outside of Ephesus was one of the seven ancient wonders of the world. And a lot of uh, goddess advocates still go there just to sit on the base. That's all that's left of the Artemis Temple. So there's, uh, there's quite a few classical era goddess sites that are still remaining throughout Europe and the Mediterranean and the Middle East. Um, There's goddess sites really around the world, and that's what our author Karen Tate uh, discovered, that there are 108 around the world as well. Some of her sites um, are indigenous, are uh, Kuan Yin in China, is a uh, far eastern goddess which morphed when it went over to Japan. And there's Oceana gods, there's Native American gods. In the southwest, there's Spider Woman, who lives in Canyon de Chez, which is like the center of the Navajo uh, universe in Canyon de Chez. And there's there's goddess uh, references in some of the rocks there, too. So you just have to dig into the fabric, and, and we can find the uh, ancient memory of the goddess. Brad, stand by. You and I have to take our final break for this hour. Brad Olson is our special guest, www.bradolson.com, B-R-A-D-O-L-S-E-N.com. Still to come on tonight's show, Linda Zimmerman is going to be with us. We're talking about ghosts in the final hour of tonight's show. And tomorrow night we have Dr. Jason Rand and Michael Luckman on. We're talking about uh, the uh, UFO uh, conference that happened at the National Press Gallery in Washington this week. We're also going to be talking about the uh, the special project that 
Jason is looking for a name to. If you'd like to submit your name, www.exxon-radio.com, proposednameadd.com. And uh, Brad Nelson, Olson, I'm sorry, and I will be back on the other side of this commercial break as the Exxon continues. We're right here live and around the world on the Talkstar Radio Network. There's a new kind of television station that presents movies without commercial interruption that you can watch without any sort of subscription fee. Find out online at whitesprings.tv. The people who bring you Talkstar Radio have a television network you can watch for free on the Internet, direct from space on your own small dish and receiver, or on a growing number of TV stations and cable systems across America. White Springs TV presents a great mix of movie greats and not-so-greats, as well as more recent family-friendly titles. The movies are commercial-free. Between the movies are cartoons, soundies, previews, classic TV, and two-wheelers. Go to whitesprings.tv. That's www.whitesprings.tv. A service of White Springs Media, a new kind of commercial-free movie channel you can watch for free. If you currently have a short-term fixed-rate home mortgage, you do need to listen to this. The mortgage industry is rapidly changing, and no one knows that better than your friends in the money business, Prime Pacific Capital. Every day, new guidelines are making it more and more difficult for homeowners to refinance the current mortgage. Don't get caught with the high interest rate and increased payments once that loan automatically adjusts. Interest rates are still low. Call Prime Pacific Capital today and refinance into a long-term, low-rate, fixed mortgage. No matter what your credit situation or what state you live in, Prime Pacific Capital will work to secure a new loan for you. Don't count yourself out until you give us a call. A loan specialist is standing by to assist you with your free consultation. Make that call today. 1-866-464-1800. 1-866-464-1800. Call Prime Pacific Capital at 1-866-464-1800. And here's my cell phone number, the number of the restaurant. Honey, come on, he'll be fine. The odds of a babysitter calling 911, 1 in 1,400. The odds of a child being diagnosed with autism, 1 in 150. Here are some of the signs. No big smiles or other joyful expressions by six months. No back and forth sharing of sounds or facial expressions by nine months. And no babbling by 12 months. To learn more of the signs, visit AutismSpeaks.org. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. I'm sure you've heard the saying, when you get to the end of your rope, tie a knot in it and hang on. Margie Garrison was at the end of her rope. At the young age of 28, she was told she would be in a wheelchair in about five years. And then, when she just couldn't go on any longer, she met a doctor who said to her, Margie, arthritis is the easiest disease there is to cure. Now, can you imagine Margie's joy after 43 years and thousands of dollars of doctor bills and pain medications that didn't work? Learn the whole story online at healthstarproducts.com. That's H-E-A-L-T-H, healthstarproducts.com. It's guaranteed or your money back, and you have a full year to decide. Look it up online for yourself at HealthStar, H-E-A-L-T-H, HealthStarProducts.com, and find out if what worked for Margie Garrison will work for you. Hey. Hey. What? There's a swarm of locusts flying just around you. I know. 
I was busy throwing rocks at stuff, and then swarm of locusts. Sounds like bad karma. Maybe you should volunteer. Help a little old lady across the street, something. Get your uh, karma right. Karma? <laughs> All right, that's, that's just dumb. Ow! Stay on the universe's good side. Volunteer, vote, get involved. Go to getgoodkarma.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Do before the end of the year. The season's greetings and the season's best to you and yours. Thank you so much. Nice talking to you, Brad. Thanks for joining us. Brad Olson, www.bradolson.com. Now, when we come back from the news at the top of the hour, we'll be joined by Linda Zimmerman. We're going to be talking about ghosts. And if you'd like to give us a call and uh, share your experiences with ghosts, or if you have a question that you'd like to ask Linda about ghosts, one 528 8255. That's toll free at 1 877 528 8255. My name is Rob McConnell. This is the X Zone, and you're listening to us live and around the world on the Talk Star Radio Network. Don't go away. <laughs> 